Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss and Cage Podcast. So first and foremost, this man that I'm interviewing today is a fellow New Yorker. So that, you know, obviously by default, we had like some off-topic, on-topic conversations before we got on air. But the synergy is just going to be flawless in this particular episode. And I just want to kind of tell you a story about the, the product. First of all, this guy, right, his background, he has like a, a degree in like business marketing. And, you know, he works kind of in the medical field. But then he went out to an event one night and his boss's wife, I think she had gave you like a hundred dollar handkerchief or whatever it was. And unfortunately, the handkerchief just flopped. And again, anybody that wears suits understands that handkerchief is a big problem. So this man solved the problem. So I'm going to name him <laughs> the, the stay up boss. So, Anthony, why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what we're talking about? and What's this product that you have? Love that. First and foremost, thank you for having me here. It's an honor to be here, especially to. Uh, just to go back and forth with a fellow New Yorker, there's always that that camaraderie that comes natural. So I, I thank you for that. And yeah, man, you nailed it. Like I I do multiple things, right? So I am an entrepreneur. I have my own business. Yet I'm also still balancing. I still have my day job. So I try to do both. So much so that I'm still wearing my scrubs from earlier in the day. I had to rock. I had to throw this on to get here to make this interview. So I try to balance as, as best I can. But entrepreneurship and this business is my passion. So I don't look at it as work. It's just something I get to do, not have to do. But to uh, your point earlier, you talked about the situation, how I come up with this concept. So brand is called Rare Cut and our flagship product is a pocket square that no matter how you bend, twist, or fold it, it retains its shape. So when you put it in your pocket, it stays up. Here's a little visual demo. And this is actually a pen pending product uh, and no one else can make this claim. So pretty cool. Um, the situation, how did I come up with it, right? What sparked this was your question. I was at, for my medical device job, I was at an awards dinner. And my manager, who's like a brother to me, is about to go up on stage and receive an award. This guy is cool, calm, collected, never breaks his sweat. Well, on this particular evening, he's fidgeting. He, he's, he's adjusting himself. And he goes to me, Anthony, how do I look? I'm like, oh, you got some kind of crap in your hair. So I take it out for him. I adjust his tie. And he points to his chest. He points to his pocket square. And he's like, this thing keeps sinking. Do you know how to fold it? Hands it to me. I have no idea what I'm doing. I put it, I manipulate it into some like ball. I give it back to him. I go, that's as best as I got, man. And he's like, these are so complicated. And he goes, you know, my wife, Rachel, bought this for me. It's a $100 pocket square. And I'm like, Bro, that's a, that's a weird flex. I didn't even know they made $100 pocket squares at that time, but I go, cool, looks 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 sharp. Goes on stage, delivers this speech, standing ovation, high fives, everything. Next day, they broadcast pictures from that event. And wouldn't you know, his $100 name brand pocket square was nowhere to be seen in any of the pictures. So we're boys, so we bust chops. And I go, dude, if you have a $100 pocket square that cannot be seen, it's essentially worthless. And he goes, dude, I'm done with these. They're so complicated for no reason. I'm, I'm done. And just that kind of conversation in that situation um, had me thinking. And one night I'm at home watching Shark Tank. 
I'm like, when's my million dollar idea going to come, you know? And I get, they email us pictures from that event and I see the picture of him on stage, you know, waving and the pockets were falling. I'm like, oh crap, I wonder if this exists. Do a little research, speak to an attorney. They go, hey, this is a great idea. Run with it. So, I mean, it's crazy that, you know, first of all, like the fact that it didn't exist, right? That, that That's the oh, first yeah. thing. Like, and, and uh, you always hear about there's never a new original idea. And to think about something as common sense as figuring out how to make a handkerchief stay up and it, it didn't exist. So you took it to market. So in that market process, I think a lot of people, they don't really understand like Kickstarter. And it, again, you did a hell of a job with your marketing background with that Kickstarter campaign. I think you had, I think it was something like 500% return on, on the actual funding, which is crazy. Usually you see 200%, maybe 150. So 500%, I want you to talk about it a little bit. Like, like what did you do in your marketing aspect strategy to get such a great return on a Kickstarter? Oh man, great question. Um, so yeah, it, the R&D for this took years. Um, years. It, it, by the time I actually had it made the way that I felt it should be made, it took like probably f- almost four years of going back and forth, different engineers, and just having this vision and like this, I, you can almost call it stubbornness to a degree, but you kind of have to be a little bit stubborn to be like, nope, not like this. I know what I want. It has to be specific. So finally, I was like, you know what? Boom, we nailed it. Let's bring it to market. Now, I decided to go, like you alluded to, I decided to go the route of crowdfunding. In this particular case, Kickstarter. Kickstarter offers a lot of benefits for a brand new company when you're testing the market of something that doesn't quite exist yet. Uh, It's not for every business, I'll tell you that. For my business, it was the right move. So what I did and why we were able to be, uh, you know, we raised 50,000, over $50,000 in a 30-day period during the middle of the pandemic, I'm talking September 2020, where everyone, including the founder himself, was rocking sweats on a daily basis. I wasn't wearing a jacket. I had nowhere to go. No one did. But you know what? I've been talking about this for so long that people supported in droves because what I did was I didn't keep this a secret. So for years, I was posting on my stories, on my Instagram, on my Facebook, on all my social, and my conversations. Anthony, what's going on with you, man? What are you up to? Well, here's what I've been up to. So everyone felt that they kind of got a little behind the scenes footage and it made them feel a part of this journey. And the fact that they were a part of this journey because I'd let them in, they felt invested into it to some degree. So leading up to the date, I contacted pretty much everyone that I knew and anyone I'd had a conversation with. And I say, hey, remember that conversation we had way back when? It's going down and it's going down next Tuesday at this time, you know, is that if it's something you'd like to support, please let me know. Almost every single person responded and almost every single person backed up with, with, uh, with a pledge. So my advice to anyone listening that might want to know, okay, if I'm starting a business, you know, what's a good way to get off to a hot start? The, the, my advice to you is, you know, be, you don't be afraid of, promoting your your business even if you don't have your business yet let people know what the plan is and as you go along the way share videos share stories get opinions which pattern do you like better have them vote and then all of a sudden people are rooting for you because they're like yeah it's almost like hearing a band or like Mm -hmm. um like a band a hip-hop artist any musician like when they're up and coming and like oh i heard that person when they played a small stage now they're on the big stage and you feel invested in that artist because you're like i was there for them when no one really knew same with entrepreneurship when people see you before you actually launch, 
people mm-hmm. are invested in you. So just spread the message and, and be be almost don't be afraid to promote. It's 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 a good thing and and people just want to be in your corner when you do so. Spoken like a true marketer, man. So with that, right? I mean, I think that that's a hell of a story and a hell of an in, intuition to kind of know that, right? And again, I think it's part of your, your upbringing and your background with your education level. So my next question is, is like, you know, you had all these different people that were communicating to you, they're reaching out to you, you're telling them your story, you're telling them that you're going to develop this particular product. If you could define yourself, like what characteristics do you have in three to five words, what would they be? Ooh, okay. Um, I would go persistent hmm. consistent honest hard working reliable nice, nice. um yeah I, I would say persistence just because you gotta be persistent because the entrepreneurship is it's you versus you every day hmm. if you if you're not kicking your own butt no one's waking you up. Man, Anthony, wake up. Today you have to wake up at this time, even though you don't need to, because no one's going to yell at you if you don't, but you're going to yell at you. You're going to be in your own head if you don't fulfill the promises to yourself. And there's nothing worse than letting yourself down. And you could pretend that, you know, you could brush it off, but you you know when you are living up to your, your standards and to your true self and your true potential. Consistent, because... Consistent is really just discipline, right? If you are disciplined, you know, think back in school. I didn't love school when I was like a kid at all. I was always like daydreaming of other things. But one thing that school does do well or should do well is teach you um, discipline and routine. And those are not sexy, but that is the key to, that is the key to success, in my opinion. Is is having discipline and 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 uh, a schedule that you follow. Um, honest, because that's how I was raised uh, to be. And I think when you're honest and people can sense that in you right away, um, certain things can be fabricated. You could pull the wool over somebody's eyes, but honestly, you talk to somebody long enough, you know if they're authentic or not. And that's that, that's that's vital. Hardworking. Again, how I was raised, uh, you know, came from parents that grew up with zero. My my pops grew up in Hell's Kitchen um, with zero dollars to his name. Uh, lost his pops early, died in his arms, had to support a family, um, and did well for himself. Self-made man. He's the American dream. Like, he is. And he's my hero. So he's always taught me a, 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 t- a hard work ethic. And... Um, I forgot the fifth one, but I think that covers it. I think that covers yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it. I'm just listening to you. I mean, and it sounds like, you know, it's like the DNA of being a native New Yorker, right? I mean, like being raised up in New York. I mean, everything that you listed, if you don't follow these criteria, then obviously you're in the wrong damn city and you need to move somewhere else. So with that, right, I mean, you were saying earlier on that you had disciplined yourself to market every single time you got a communication with someone like you would drop a little hey this is coming check out the patterns so that's like the positive and again entrepreneurs we don't always see the positive side so on the negative side like what's the worst case scenario the worst example of someone potentially being negative or someone telling you it's not going to work Ooh, yeah yeah all right so um a couple um <clears throat> i gotta say i I think in the last few years, mm-hmm. I have really been very conscious about who I keep in my company. And I don't just mean acquaintances. I'm talking about like 
who are my go-tos in life um because not everyone's going to necessarily root you on and right if you ever read the, four, the book four agreements it's never about you it's not an issue with you per se it's an issue with them that they are now putting onto you but i've had some of that in my life um for sure and it pretty much cut ties so if someone's not in my corner i kind of push them to the side but i i would say that one common thing that i got often was like dude you're gonna get into the fashion industry like what do you didn't go to fit fashion institute of technology what do you know about fashion you're in way over your head you have no idea what you're doing don't quit your day job don't do this like like almost people are almost like bracing you for like prepare for a hard journey i, I don't need to hear that. And maybe it came from a good place. Maybe it didn't. But I think the most common thing that I heard often was like, dude, what do you know about the fashion industry? And it's kind of funny because I'm sure if you ask, you know, uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine from back in the day, she'd be like, this guy's uh, in fashion now. He wore the same three hoodies for an entire winter. What now he's in fashion? Like, and, and that could be justified. But you know what? I, I'm in medical device sales. I didn't know anything about medical device sales before I got into it. And then I, I accrued all these accolades and trophies and, and awards because I learned, because I cared. And anything can be taught for the most part. So um, there was a lot of that of just like, almost like, without saying who do you think you are to get into this, you have no experience. It doesn't matter because sometimes ignorance can sometimes be bliss and you go into an industry with really not knowing the challenges, but because you're not, like you, you haven't, uh, you know, you haven't seen other people fail, you kind of go into it like, I can do anything. And that's, that's powerful. So um I just try to block all that out and, and it served me well. So, I mean, that's a solid point, right? I mean, obviously you don't come from a fashion background, but you do have like a business background to a certain extent. So with this new fashion business, like how is that set up? Is it an LLC, an S corp, a C corp? Like what structure is behind this new business? Right. So it's an S corp and only for the mere fact that it's because I also have um, my medical device job. And that's the only way, that's the reason it's structured in that degree. And I, I couldn't go super into like the details of like each individual business, what, how should you structure it? But just in my particular case, because I do still have my job in medical devices um, and I fund, I self fund my business. So my day job f funds get funneled into rare cut. And because of that, I, I was advised to start an escort. Hmm. So that's definitely interesting. So let's talk about that journey for a minute, right? I mean, obviously now you're you're, you're dibbling into fashion. You're diving headfirst really into fashion now. Your data job is essentially medical, but your education was, I think, business marketing. Yes. So these are three different monsters, right? So like, let's talk about like that journey. Like, I mean, like, let's go back even further. Like, what kind of kid were you growing up, and how did that kid then go into college to get a marketing degree? Ooh, I love that question, man. I really do. Okay, so uh, as a kid, I didn't know, I think I heard someone, it might have even been Gary that said this, and it really resonated with me because I had this, Gary Vaynerchuk, I had the same exact story uh, when we were a kid, uh, when I was a kid, rather, uh, I was in kindergarten, and they asked us what we wanted to be, and I said, like, I wanted to do five things, and the teacher goes, no, you can't do that, you can only pick one. And she's like, pick one. I'm like, ah, oh, businessman. <laughs> Little did I know, I was kind of saying entrepreneur without knowing the word. But like, I was like, I was five years old. I was like, I want to do everything. Like, don't don't take the wind out of my sails. And look, I, here I am, right? And I'm, and I'm doing it. But I was the type of kid, man, where I remember having lemonade stands in first grade and people coming up. And I remember the first time 
a customer and he gave me a dollar and he's like, you're really good at this. Like keep at it. And he gave me a high five and just getting that dollar. I was like, Whoa, this is amazing. That really stayed with me, you know? And then baseball cards, of course, like um, there was a movie back in the day when I was in like fourth grade and the movie was called clueless. And my friend's mom, my best friend's mom was making these fancy pens and they had a feather on top of them and they were all like crafted pretty beautifully actually. And she goes to my buddy, or her son, she goes, hey, sell these at school. And he's like, Ma, I don't want to sell that. Like, uh, he had no interest. He's not a sales to this day. He's not a salesperson. For me, I was like, oh, I'd do it. And she's like, listen, if you do it, sell them for $3. So this is like, you know, 1994 prices. So she's like, sell them for $3. And for everyone you sell, you get to keep a dollar. And I think a month and a half in a very small school, I sold well over... 500 pens and what it kept going to except when i was in school they called me the principal's office and they sat me down and they go hey anthony uh this is this is a school this is not a business in the school kind of is a business but that's a whole other discussion and they go you can't be selling these anymore because now everyone's coming to school selling things from their house so this has to stop and i said i understand it, it, it sucked but i left and she goes by the way she goes you should be proud of yourself She's like, you do everyone in the everyone in the school has one of these pens. And I felt like a sense of pride from that. And yeah, man, I, I always like I held multiple jobs. I did bartending. I I I I always tried to do a whole lot. And um, how I you asked how I got into medical device. Yeah. So my uncle in Greece owns his own medical device distributorship. Uh-huh. Didn't know that was a thing, didn't know that was a job. So I go to Greece and I see my uncle like living a pretty dope life. And I'm like, this is really cool. I'm like, you know, uncle, what, what do you do again? And he's like, come to the office with me. So he showed me around. He'd bring me on an appointment with him because over there, it's a lot more relaxed. And I'm like, this job is awesome. So I remember being, um, going back to what do you want to do? So that conversation happened two times in my life. I told you about kindergarten. Second time, I think we're 11 years old, something like that. And they go around. They're like, all right, what's everyone want to be? So kid next to me is like, I want to be in the NBA, right? Another kid next to me, I want to be an astronaut. Like, I think, what do you want to be? They're like, I want to sell medical devices. And they're like, what 10-year-old kid wants to sell medical devices? And they got a laugh out of it. However, I will tell you, that one kid is not in the NBA. The other kid is not an astronaut. Mm. I do sell medical devices. So listen, when you know what you want, there's power behind it. And, um, and when you, you really visualize what you want, and you, you find a way to make it happen. And, and not only did I get the job, but like, I made sure to make my mark when I got there. I was like, I've been prepping for this my whole life. You're going to remember my name. And I got the accolades and trophies and trips and all that stuff to show for it because I knew what I wanted. And, and I, I wanted to prove myself and show people, you take a chance on me, it'll be the best decision you ever make. And I always try to prove people right. And if someone gives me a chance, I want to make them look good. So, I mean, that's an interesting story. So, I mean, like the duration of time, and I want to talk relative to like what you're doing right now outside of the medical field, more so with like the fashion. And, you know, it may be a perception of an overnight success story, but in reality, like how long have you been building up until the moment of executing your first handkerchief? So from concept to actual tangible product that felt right to me, like this one, uh, like I said, as promised, it stays up. Oh, that's our tagline too. It stays up. So we have a little fun with our marketing. Um, but it took about four years to get to that point. Four years. And 
a lot of times I would have an idea and I get excited about something. And then two weeks later, I'd be like, nah, not interested. I take it back. I, I don't know why I got so juiced about this. It's been about six years now. And I'm still, as, I'm, I'm as juiced about this as ever because I know the potential here. I know what it can be. So that staying power is so important, you know? So, um, but it did take four years of R&D and, and countless prototypes. I can't even tell you how many, it's going to be in my personal museum one day of all the failed pocket squares and the number of conversations I had from people like, hey, what you're looking for, I don't, and this is coming from engineers. Yeah. Your job is to figure out a way to like make this work and get told, I don't think what you're looking for can be made. I just wouldn't accept that as an answer. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, then you're not the one next, you know, or they help me up to a certain point. Like I can't help you anymore. All right. Somebody else will let's, let's figure out. And you know what? We got it. Nice. Nice. So, I mean, in, in that business unit, and again, anybody that understands like business strategy and growth strategy to a certain extent, like, I mean, now you have your core product, your core product line, and now you're scaling that product line with, with different patterns and different designs. But, you know, when do you think, or are you even thinking about then stepping into product development to where now you have your handkerchiefs and then maybe you have ties to go with it? Okay. Great question. So our flagship product is the pocket square. It's proprietary it's protected. Oh, hopefully that pen gets, uh, we get that pen in the next month. That's what we're hoping for. Um, but it's protected, right? So that is my entry point into the fashion industry. Um, it wasn't in my intention to be this, but I almost look at it as my Trojan horse. Like we go in there and yeah, we have pocket squares, but we're going to be so much more than that. And we've already begun. So um, to answer your question about ties, I will not get into ties. And the reason being is ties are going out of fashion. You know, like, look, I'm right right now. I'm rocking a T-shirt and I'm rocking a jacket over it, and this is kind of a more modern look. Mm-hmm. So, going in the trend of where, like, how are men starting to dress? Casual, but a jacket will never go out of style. A tie is a bit stuffy, and while there are certain occasions that absolutely call for it, we're more of uh, the modern look for the modern man kind of mentality and and how we dress. And if you want to accessorize a little bit. Pocket square is nice and easy to pop in there, you know, with a tie, it kind of changes the brand. So we won't go into ties, but we will go into other things. And we have, so we did a campaign last year, um, in the beginning of 2021, um, people were like, Hey, like Anthony, I want to support your brand. Um, the thing is I'm not going back to work anytime soon. I don't really have the need for a jacket quite yet. And no wedding, keep in mind, no weddings, right? No functions, nothing at this time. Um, so I go, you know what? I want to do something that, I, well, I'll say this. I never wanted to start a company that just had a product. I wanted to start a brand that had a purpose. That was vital to me in doing something where I felt something, where I, I, I'm doing more than just making something and making money. Like, that's great. Don't get me wrong. But in life, everyone needs purpose. And if you have purpose with the right intention behind it, you're unstoppable. So I was like, all right, at this point in time, and you have to put yourself back to the mentality of January of 2021, what dominated the headlines outside of COVID? Yes, that was the biggest thing, but small businesses getting rocked. And I hear of of friends, acquaintances, uh, friends of friends whose businesses where, you know, I had to make a decision. All right, are we keeping our doors open? Can we afford to keep our doors open? And, you know, what's next for us? And you're talking about business that have stayed, like restaurants that were in the hands of 
different three generations now because of this might have to close their doors. And I'm like, how come no one hears about these specific businesses? It's kind of upsetting me. And this is a very weird person to quote because he's not a good person. But he did say something that made sense. Um, the quote is, and I'm paraphrasing, but the the death of one person is, oh no, I'm sorry. The death of 10,000 people is a statistic. The death of one person is a tragedy. Mm. And that was said by Joseph Stalin, not a good dude, but that quote makes sense. And how, why I say that is because if you hear all these businesses closed, mm-hmm. oh, wow, we're desensitized. It doesn't mean anything. If you hear, hey, this mom and pop shop down the street that have been open for 60 something years closed down and today's the last day of their town. And here's a picture of them. You're like, oh, damn, I, I feel that. Like, I feel that because you're actually giving the spotlight to one individual isolated incident or person. I wanted to do that. So what I did is I started a shop local campaign and we had um, a really dope pattern where we had like that classic NYC coffee cup and we had shop local in it on the top of the coffee cup is a torch from the statue of liberty which to me signifies opportunity and why people opted to come to this country and continue to come to this country is for that opportunity and for us not to lose sight of that as well and to me i wanted to highlight the people who bust their butts every morning to provide for their families and what we did is we took individuals and we shared their stories and the because our tagline is um, our, our tagline is it stays up. My question that I, I posed to them was, how do you stay up <laughs> during these hard times? And people said, hey, here's my business. Here's what I'm going through. Here's how I'm getting through it. And that's what I wanted to feature. So we did that and we made shirts as well. So we made shirts, we sold a lot of shirts and we donated a portion of the proceeds of all shirts and pocket squares to the Barstool Fund to put our money where our mouth was to support local businesses in the area. So that's something that we're doing that I take tremendous pride in because when you have a platform, you can use it any which way you decide. But for me, I was like, this is not just going to be a company. This is a brand. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you, when you keep talking to brand, you're talking to my heart, man. I mean, I'm a, I would say that I'm multiple different things. Brand is, is what makes me wake up every single morning and think about what am I going to do next. So for you to kind of take a handkerchief and then brand it and then turn it into a movement. And that's what you're describing is like you're creating into a brand movement. So it, then, I mean, the reality is you could be covering car seats with your material next week. It doesn't really matter because, again, as long as they all fall underneath that brand and you're doing good with it, then it's a win-win situation. So my next question, like just listening to you and, and hearing your passion behind that, it's like, okay, all these things are going in your favor and everything is moving positive right now. But if you can time travel back and change one thing at any given time, what would you change and when would you do it? Oof, okay. Okay. I'm going to answer your question in the only way I know how to answer your question. And that is whether it be, whether it be this business mm-hmm. or relationships in my life, mm-hmm. I wouldn't undo anything. And I'll tell you what I would do moving forward. But I, I, and I mean this, I wouldn't undo anything because everything funneled into where I'm at right now, speaking to you here, right? I'm in a great spot. I get to be on this awesome podcast, have this conversation with you. I wouldn't change anything. I really would not. Um, What I would do moving forward is if I ever started another business, Mm -hmm. I don't think I'd go it alone again. 
Um, I'm so glad I did this this way. I love that I did it this way. This is I learned way more in this in this early stages of the startup and entrepreneurship than I ever did in all my years at school. I can promise you that. But huh. entrepreneurship is 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 tough, and solopreneurship solopreneurship is infinitely tougher, huh. and that's okay because it makes you it, it get you get seasoned real quick, you know, as long as you stick with it. But moving forward, what I realize is when I collaborate on a project, it's a, I bring out a better version of myself. Um, and I like collaborating with good people. Now, you can if you get in the wrong partnership, it can sink a business. So you have to be extremely selective. But if I ever did another business outside of this, I would go at it with a strategic partner. Nice. So, I mean, just spinning off of that, that, that partnership, right? I mean, obviously you're going into a space to where influencers are not to say they are a dime a dozen, but there's a lot of different influencers in the world. Some of them are like high profile, some of them are mid grade, and there's also low grade influencers. So have you dove into, into the space to where uh, influencer could contact you and say, Hey, I would love to get my own personal handkerchief. I want my own brand and make my own custom. And then we, you can sell it and we can split the profits. Have you had that conversation yet? Yes, actually. Uh, yeah. And actually, that's, uh, that's pretty much the next movement for this is uh, customization. And you said that and I, this is quite literally, yesterday, I got two calls. Uh, one person is getting married. And they go, hey, we want to do um, we put our monogram on there. Now they didn't know we've already done that as a test last year. And it worked really well. Um, and then another person said, hey, this is a super early notice. Uh, I have a pretty decently sized company. And for the holidays, I want to give um, pocket squares to all my employees with our brand logo on it. Can you do that? I said, yes. <laughs> yes, we can. Absolutely. Yes, we can. So that is the next movement for this. Um, I think anytime you can get into the space of customization, it just opens up a whole new world. Now, there's challenges along with that because people expect things to be a certain way. There's going to be a lot of back and forth. There's going to be a lot of uh, times where you have to scrap an idea. I expected it this way. So there's some challenges that will come along with it, but it will, in my opinion, elevate and propel this business to a whole nother level. But that is the future for for RareCut, at least part of our future. So, I mean, with that, I mean, obviously, you know, I did my due diligence and I looked at your current platform. And right now you're using Shopify, which is a really big platform, whether you have your own products in the warehouse or you're doing drop shipping. So with the, the onset of this new customization, are you still planning on using that platform or do you have some other things in the works? Great question. Uh, I'm going to stick with it for as long as it serves us. So that when we follow up and do our next podcast in the, in the future, I'll have that answer for you. But as of right now, I'm hoping that I could, cause it's very, as you know, it's very user-friendly. Mm -hmm. I mean, the customer service is, is very good. Um, most of the times, um, and they, if they don't have an answer, they get you the answer. So I'm very, very satisfied with their service. This is not a paid ad, but uh, Shopify has been really great. in my experience with them. Um, so I just have to see how they'll be able to handle Hmm. the world of customization so it's to be determined got it yeah. so i mean i mean de definitely to, to your point it's to be determined but i would think with the supply chain right and in today's world there's supply chains issues left and right there's even supply chain issues with, with shopify and again with the drop shipping and i'm not sure if you're using a drop shipping model or if you're like creating products and then you're dropping them off in a warehouse and then having shopify source it from there so have you had any issues with supply chains as of recently so I ordered a, I ordered a ton of devices 
uh, devices, sorry, my medical mind. Uh, I ordered a ton of product, I should say, um, right, and when I say right before, mm-hmm. I'm talking right before supply, supply issues were what they are today. I bought a lot, a lot of product. So as of right now, mm-hmm. I'm okay on that. Now, what we do, you asked about drop shipping. What we do, we have a very unique business model, mm-hmm. which I'm proud of. And it kind of happened out of a little bit of luck. Um, we are made to order. So every, every so right as of right now, everything is printed in my garage. So it's become a home office. Um, so when somebody orders something, we press it and print it right on the spot. And what that allows us to do is cut back on something that's a very dirty word in any business, and that's inventory. So we don't have to, let's just say this pattern right here, right? Mm-hmm. I have this pattern. You love it. Great. We sell you one. And we thank you. Uh, but we sell you this, and this you're a fan of this. But the thing is, it's really just more specifically your taste. No one else is taking to it. Now, instead of having to order 300, 400 of these, like, oh, man, we're in a tough spot. I can't get rid of these. We don't have to. We make to order. So anytime you do make to order, it's a complete game changer. So we don't do drop shipping and things of, of that nature just because our business model is a bit different. Um, there's a lot of perks to it, but there's also a lot of things that we cannot take advantage of because we are made to order. So, you know, it, it's, a, it's a balance of both worlds, but we're, we're in a fortunate spot to be able to do cus- customized orders like we, like we currently are. Nice, nice. So this, I mean, just again, I, I like I like these type of conversations. So I'm gonna kind of go back maybe about 20 minutes, and you were talking about your your um, uncle being mm-hmm. online and being a particular vendor. So my next question is like, obviously you come from an entrepreneurial background. So was there any other family members besides your uncle that was in the business grind day to day like that? Yeah. So my pops is in real estate. My pops is um, he's about he's 68 years old. Um, still works his butt off. I mean, he's still, I think even last Sunday, I gave him a call, say hello to him. And he's like, oh, I'm, a, I'm at an open house right now. He's 68. You know, like he, he, I tip my hat to him and he's, he's a unique individual that has a drive that honestly is, he, he's got more energy than most 25 year olds, I would say. And I think what's really important to be honest and what I learned from him is because he, he literally, literally grew up with nothing. He still has, and he's done very well for himself, but he still has that poor kid from hell's kitchen mentality. And I don't think that'll ever leave him. I know we'll never leave him. And he still like has that mindset. Like he, he appreciates what he has, but I think he also never forgets where he came from. And we grew up our whole lives listening to these stories and being like, no, 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 you don't like get up and work, work for you want it, work for it. Like my parents provided me with things. Don't get me wrong. I was very fortunate, but my parents also have that you want something, work and get it mentality, like make it happen. So my, my parents certainly, but more even specifically, I'd say my dad um, I definitely have my dad's drive, and I think the best way to um, excel in life is to use the experience of others and the stories of others. So I love biographies and autobiographies, is to learn from them and learn from their past mistakes 
so you don't repeat it. And you're going to make plenty of mistakes, plenty of mistakes in entrepreneurship. The key is just not to repeat them. But if you can learn from other people's mistakes, you're out of the game. So I would say, yeah, my 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 dad, big time, is where I got a lot of my uh, my drive and 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 direction. Got it. So I mean, coming from like that that family upbringing, I mean, obviously family comes first. But in t- in mm-hmm. today's world, right? I mean, you're juggling a full time two full-time adventures, right? You have a full-time employer, but you also have a full-time business. So currently, how are you managing and juggling like your work life with your family life? So, so I don't have, so I don't have a family of my own, meaning that I don't have a wife and kids yet. Um, Hopefully we'll get there. (laughs) Hopefully we'll get there pretty soon. Uh, But um, I am very, we're a very tight-knit family, man. I'm, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to have a, a supportive family. Um, we're a tight unit. Um, Got to say, I, I was very blessed to be raised right. And it's kind of my mission to keep that moving forward um, when I start my own family. But um, I would say this, um, having people in your life that who are supportive especially when times get crazy because that's life, right? Life's going to get crazy. It's inevitable. People who are in your corner that support you, that encourage you to be the best version of yourself, you, you can't put a price on that, man. There's nothing better than that. So, you know, I have um, quite literally, uh, I did this during the pandemic. A buddy of mine told me to do it. He was talking about like, I was in a relationship and it hadn't worked out. And he's like, what was wrong? Like, I can't put my finger on it, but I go, something didn't mesh. And he's like, you know what you should do? Get specific. He goes, make a list of what you want, the ideal traits in your ideal woman. So I did. Oh. And and also you know, who you need to be to meet your ideal woman, right? The first thing I put on there was supportive. And I talked to a female friend of mine, and she's like, supportive is your number one? She said, it's very interesting. She's like, well, why is that your number one? I go, and it wasn't in regards to the last girl I dated, but I, I said, date someone who's not supportive. And you'll realize how important it is to get support. It's vital to your success, to you working uh, together um, cohesively as, as a unit and as, as 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 a partnership, right? Being with someone is a partnership. We talk about business partnership, but there's relationship partnership. So I think just to answer your question, man, I think just, just finding people that not just get you, but going back to what I said earlier, encouraging people who encourage you to be the best version of yourself. And if I, hey, I'm running a little bit late, I understand there'll be some tough days, but like for the most part, they understand and like you got to do you. And when you get home, they give you, they greet you with love and hug and affection and encourage you to keep going. If I got that, I can do anything. So support, man. Just got to have that support. Nice. So I just want to talk about like education for, for a little bit. Right. I mean, obviously being that you juggled essentially three different things, right? I mean, obviously on the marketing side, you studied marketing in school. On the medical side, obviously you have to study what you're doing in the medical side. And then obviously with the fashion, it's a whole totally different monster. So what books could you like tap into your memory to say books that helped you to get to where you are currently right now? Love that. So I'm looking at my library over there. Got a whole bunch of good ones. Um, Okay. There's certain books that we... There's All right. There's a few that stand out to me. I would say one that I personally loved was Shoe Dog. Shoe Dog is written by, um, oh, uh, was it Phil Knight? I believe Phil Knight, right? Yeah, Phil Knight, uh, the founder of Nike. And basically just shows you um, a kid who was kind of just trying to find himself, a bit lost, 
um, got screwed over time and time and time again and overcame so many obstacles that you're just like, man, this guy is relentless. And you look at the, I look at the, I always listen. I, I'm, I'm a sneakerhead, man. I have more sneakers than I know what to do with. But like, I love Nikes and I look at it now. I have a whole newfound respect for Nike after seeing all the obstacles they overcame. And I think that's true with anything, right? Like when you hear of the obstacles that anyone goes through, you have a newfound respect for them. Even like someone who's like an an antagonist, typically like the Joker. You hear the joke, like you watch the movie, the Joker and you hear the Joker's story. Joker's a bad guy, but you get to know their story. You're like, Oh, I kind of get you now. So I think when people know like really who you are and people like be like, Oh, I understand you. I understand why you are the way you are. And I say that does also use that for business. Like I, I alluded to earlier, when you're like going through your stuff, you know, you don't have to give five minute videos on, you know, keep it short, but like, Hey, today I'm going through this. This is the deal today. Here's what we're going through. Keep you posted on the next one. Someone just may or may not watch 60 seconds of what you just had to say. And like, yeah, I support that dude. Like good for him. I kind of know a little bit about his background. So getting to know about the Nike background, I'm like, wow, you went through all that newfound respect for a company. I already had an appreciation for Shoe Dog is a very big one. Um, a book I read in, okay, so there's a couple. This It's almost become, people almost roll their eyes when they hear this one because it's become so watered down. It's a little generic and some might even say basic, but that's just because of how it's been branded. Mm-hmm. But the thought process behind it, nothing could be truer. So the secret is one of those books where, yeah, it's a, it can be a little fluffy for some people. People are like, ah, you're just going to manifest checks in the mail and all these things. And I get why people feel that way. And you might not like the book, The Secret, and that's okay. But manifestation, visualization, uh, law of attraction, these are universal truths. You can accept it or you could choose not to accept it. I suggest you accept it, learn about it, and see how to make things come into fruition into your world that is the foundation of getting what you want in this world, whether you choose to go the, the, the route of the secret brand or some other countless books written about the law of attraction. Once you understand that, it'll change your life. So um, I almost hesitate to say the secret, but anything regarding the law of attraction will, will change your world. And just looking here, oh, I mean, this is not really a business. Oh, I have so many, man. I, it's, it's so funny because I look at this giant library of books that I love. Uh, I think one that was very, very powerful that I read more recently, um, it's a very slow read. And I'm a New Yorker, as are you. And, you know, we can't help but be a little bit impatient at times. Um, so to read this very slow book is painful. But the power, oh my God, man, exactly. Power of Now is a really, really powerful book. Um, just, Just kind of just, learning to slow down a little bit, which is something I'm constantly working on. It's almost like sometimes you have to slow down to speed up. And it just, it really walks you through that. And it just touches on things that are just like almost hurt my brain reading because they're so deep, but uh, that requires a few reads, but it's a, it's a very slow move, but it's, it's extremely powerful. So I say those three. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, just, just, just taking from like the, the books you're reading, you're, you're talking about like the secret and the laws of attraction. 
with that, right? I mean, if you're if you're talking in, into reality and you're communicating like the success of your your current new adventure, which is your business, who would be your ideal avatar? Who are you talking to? Who are you looking for that you want to be walking down the street, see them on the train one day wearing your product and don't even know that you created it? Right, right. Very cool. Um, so I'd say a young professional, um, probably if the av- if we said avatar, uh, I'd say, and again, anywhere can wear a pocket square. You could be, you could be 12 to 112, you know what I'm saying? It, primarily men, although we do have females who have been asking to wear it and I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, but avatar, I would say someone who's in his, uh, in his thirties, early thirties, um, single guy wanting to make his mark on the world mm-hmm. on the prowl has a little bit of that kind of chip on his shoulder of like, I'm not where I want to be yet, but I'm getting there and wants to just stand out a little bit extra and wants to do just that little extra to stand out. And that's where we go because you can take two people wearing the same thing. Oh, Anthony's dressed nice. Anthony cares about details. Mm-hmm. It's the attention to detail that makes all the difference. And we were that little bit extra that we can provide. And now when you're when you have a friend who gives you that little extra, when you have an employer that gives you a little extra that you appreciate, when you're in a relationship and that person gives you a little extra, we notice. And people form an opinion on someone. I read this in Entrepreneur Magazine. Within five seconds, people make their opinion based off based off your appearance and how you were well put together of Anthony's a well-dressed dude that cares about the details or Anthony's kind of a slob or Anthony doesn't really care. He's super casual you know, so we can help. So if you are trying to go into an environment that calls for a jacket anyways, right? If you're if you're going to an occasion that requires a jacket and you want people to look at you in a certain way of like, you you care about the details, you're that type of person, that's where we fit in and that's where we can help. Okay, so let's just take that one step further. So essentially you're, you're talking about, let's say, ages 28 to maybe early 40s, right? And again, like that, that chip on the shoulder, that, that thing, that, that's just like a New York state of mind, right? I mean, like growing up in that environment, you have to have that umspa with you, right? So the next part of this question would be, what words of wisdom would you give them or insight would you give them like being that they have that chip on their shoulder and they're moving through the world and and they're rocking your your handkerchief and they're becoming more business savvy what intuitual insight would you deliver to them to help them move forward totally great question um you have to be relentlessly persistent in the pursuit of what you want to make happen i always sit like it's it that is so key to never because again we all have down days but just don't make it a habit you know like you can have an off day that's totally normal it's called being a human being but don't accumulate that into a streak you want to keep good streaks going once you start you have a bad day it's totally normal it's what we do but brush it off next day brand new day make it happen the my best advice that i would tell people is within the last and obviously we went through a weird two years, but in the last three years, I've met some of the my closest friends I've met in the last three years. My people who I, I can't even imagine life without them, I've met in the last three years. And let me tell you, almost every time that I met someone was going to an event that I didn't even really feel like going to. Put yourself out there get yourself out there. Don't get me wrong. Zoom stuff is great when you can do it, right? 
it's great. But nothing will, and metaverse is coming, right? It might already be here. Um, and I'm sure that will serve its purpose, and that's fine. But nothing ever will replace face-to-face interactions. Nothing will ever replace that rapport. You can meet with somebody face-to-face. And every major connection I've had in my life has been going to an event that I push myself to go to. So push yourself to go, make yourself go. It just always so happens in my world where when I was just like, you know what, Anthony, you don't want to go out today, but you know what, in your mind, you know you should. And listening to that voice instead of the one that says, hey, just be comfortable, stay home. No, I'm going to push myself to go. A world of good has come from that. So that's my advice is, is, is get yourself out there. Literally get yourself out there. And you, that's where you're going to meet your connects. You're not going to meet your connects just sitting home. It's not going to happen. Right. I mean, I'm happy that, that, you know, what you said is definitely inspirational, but then you kind of led us into another direction that I didn't think that this episode is pretty much going to go into. So you kind of brought up the metaverse. And obviously in the metaverse, it's essentially a world with inside of a world. So if you're familiar with NFTs at all, have you thought about maybe creating like each one of your particular handkerchiefs into an actual NFT and maybe giving them access to purchasing that special one of a kind NFT as an actual handkerchief? So, you know, it's so funny. Yeah, that was actually recently suggested to me and I, I didn't really understand the power behind that, but there is something about exclusivity that people love and limited edition that people love you know we talked about earlier people love customization and that's one that's one element of it people love customization but people also love to have something rare right so hence rare cut but it's true people love something that's rare that there's limited edition or maybe one of a kind that hey i got this no one else has this so while i haven't done that yet it's something i need to learn more about i'm not fully versed in the power behind it i know enough to talk about it but not enough to be like, hey, we're going to implement this moving forward and as part of our strategy. Someone had told me we're, we're working on a couple projects that are, are uh, that have um, that element of, of giving back. Um, and they said, hey, when you make that artwork, make 10 of them and make it NFTs and include that in giveaways. Um, it costs you really nothing, but to them, it could mean a lot. And, you know, like we talked earlier, people love having things that no one else has. And I thought about that and it really stayed with me. I go, wow, that's, even though I don't understand it fully, that's the way that the world is going. So you better get used to it and start adapting, you know, adapt or die. So um, it is something that I see this company taking on probably later this year, as soon as I get to become a little bit more educated in it. Yeah. I think, I think it's crazy because again, you're talking about a tangible object that you're wearing but then we're talking about it in the digital space, which again, if you go back 15 years, with 20 years, we've been like, what? Like that person is obviously high. They have no clue what the real <laughs> they're in the matrix, right? So, <laughs> um, so how do people get in contact with you? I mean, how if somebody wants to order it? I mean, obviously you have an online store. Like, how how does someone get access to getting your product? Yeah, hundred percent. So they can just go to rarecut.com, uh, and you know you can find all our stuff right there. Also on Instagram at rarecut. Um, we're two words in our branding, but on rare on uh, Instagram, we are just rare cut all one word. We're on Twitter too. And that's one thing that, um, you'll be seeing in the next, uh, I'd say month. I'm really placing a more of a heavy emphasis on, um, working on my creative in, um, on, on TikTok. Um, people want to, people want to be entertained, you know, um, po- taking a, a picture of, of a model, uh, is all well and good and serves its purpose. But, you know, people like 
authenticity and people like when you you're you show your vulnerable side and you can oh, poke a little fun and have fun with your marketing and you know we're, we are not a cologne company we don't have to be serious all the time we sell pocket squares right pocket squares by their very nature are fun and they're colorful you know our marketing is going to be fun and colorful as well we're in a space where we can do that so we're leaning into it we're tapping into it and we're working on some really fun things that will be uh unveiled in the next few weeks uh really placing a heavier emphasis on showing our personality uh as part of the brand Nice, nice. So, I mean, with that, I got a couple bonus questions for you. And since you said fun, I think this next question would be a fun question to ask you, right? Being that you grew up in New York and there's so many different opportunities, if you could be a superhero, who would it be and why? Okay, okay. Ooh, love it. Ooh, man. So this kind of leads to an inside joke that just kind of happened the other day. Uh, let's just say a girl I'm talking to right now. Um, she just, she nicknamed me Batman, which for me, is my favorite superhero of all time. So much so that our our colors are inspired from Batman. I'm not kidding. I love Batman. I love the Dark Knight. I love that he's mysterious, does things for good, has two sides of him. You know what I'm saying? Like keeps that kind of mysterious kind of vibe to him. Um, Superman is more like super polished and you know has all this natural given ability, whereas Batman kind of has to work for what he's got. And it's something that he wasn't, he doesn't have a natural ability to fly. He doesn't have, he can't shoot lasers from his eyes. Um, He just got, he's got some cool gadgets. You know, he's got that cool, uh, just cool demeanor to him. Batman has swag. He definitely has swag. Yeah, man, he has that swag, 100%. So I've always been a Batman guy my entire life. So got to go with Batman. So like, I'm, I'm, I'm in the voice of your dad. Like I grew up in Hell's Kitchen. You didn't pick Daredevil? Like... Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, true. But you know what the thing is, man? Growing up, you know, Batman, like, I think came out in like 1989. So that's like one of the first, and now we get, we're spoiled. We get a superhero movie, you know, every, every three months, there's a new one. Back in the day, there wasn't that many superhero movies. So when Batman came out and, you know, it just was just like, wow, this is amazing. Like Ghostbusters came out around that time, Batman, but Batman was the thing. So I grew up in that generation of like, that's our guy. That's our guy. So I'm old school like that. So I guess Batman. Cool, cool. So I got another bonus question for you. Uh, This one, I think, I don't know, it's kind of like a toss up because I mean, you're so diversified with your disciplines, right? So if you could spend 24 hours with anyone dead or alive, uninterrupted for those 24 hours, who would it be and why? Wow, that's such a freaking good question. Damn. Oof. All right. I, I would, few people are coming to mind. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the one. Uh, all right. The most impressive human being that I know that's an inspiration to millions upon millions upon millions of people that changed my life um, is Tony Robbins. So I went to a Tony Robbins event when I was 19 years old. My dad brought his office, again, he's a realtor, brought his office um, the year prior. And he's like, I want to like boost morale. Or I want you guys to get like, you know, uh, you know, basically try to boost up uh, everyone that worked there. And these were guys that were 10 years older than me. That I, th- I thought they were all cool as hell, and they are, they still are. And I looked up to them a lot. And like, Anthony, you coming? I'm like, nah, that's corny. I'm not going. 18 years old think I'm too cool at the time. Like I'm not going to an event. And I saw people like clapping in the video. I'm like, not for me. 
And they came back and everyone's like, that changed my entire life. And these guys who were already pretty high performers just stepped up their game in a way I've never seen ever. And this one guy who was, I wouldn't say was necessarily uh, super outspoken all, um, or, or really very much of a, an extrovert. We go out, I see him talking like to these really like girls that were out of his league and them like going on dates. I'm like, whoa, what happened to you, man? He's like, dude, that Tony Robbins event changed my entire life. So the following year, my dad goes, hey, I'm bringing everyone again. Do you want to come? Still on the fence about it. And he goes, listen, if you come, you know, you're going to miss a few days of school. And at that point, I was like, all right, sign me up. Let's go. So I go, not being super hesitant, not knowing what to expect. And the first 20 minutes were very daunting. I was like, okay, what this feels really weird. Like, what am I a part of? And then you kind of get to hear his message. And, you know, he just, he's a peak performance, peak performance coach and just gets you to, to inflect, look deep within you and say, Hey, what, what are you trying to do? And here's how to do it to be the best version of yourself. And that, that's why we're here, right? To live the best possible life possible um, for ourselves and for others to, to give and to serve and to also have fun in the process. So, man, if I had 24 hours, Tony Robbins, 100%, because there's so many people in the space of self-development who are really impressive individuals. Uh, but the way I look at Tony is Tony has, you know, he he's a father. Uh, he's, in a, he's in a happy marriage. Um, and I like that he puts an emphasis on family and, and balance to whatever degree he could balance. There's other people in the space that you know they don't want to have a wife or kids or they're maybe a little cutthroat even though i respect them and they're great at what they do it's just not my style you know i like his style very much and i feel in 24 hours dang i mean that would be um he's already changed my life i can only imagine hanging out with him for 24 hours what that would be like so tony robbins who is the in my opinion the og when it comes to um self-development in our lifetime Nice. Yeah. I mean, Tony, if anyone has not been to a Tony event, I mean, I would definitely at the bare minimum do some of his digital online stuff, even that environment, you could still feel the energy through the damn screen, which is crazy that he could do it on that scale and that many people at the same time. So it's definitely a flawless. So, I mean, going into kind of closing and hopefully, you know, I know you're from Queens and I'm from Brooklyn and the Queens and Brooklyn has kind of been like the, the all time rivals of New York, like forever. Right. But I'm going to give you ownership of the Boston Cage podcast. You're going to become the host. Do you have any questions that you would like to ask me? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. Okay, yes. All right. So I guess first and foremost, you know, what made you go in this direction to say, hey, I'd like to use this platform for good to spread messages? Like what got you into podcasting to begin with out of all the things that are out there that you could invest your time in? Why podcasting for you? Yeah, I mean, it it was a, it's a, it's a story that behind every story, right? So, I mean, long story short is that I had a stroke and I was always the guy behind the curtain forever. And being the man behind the curtain, I was always like a puppeteer moving things and nobody knew I was doing it. So coming out of that stroke, then I had the opportunity to step in front of the actual camera. And at the time my girlfriend, who was my wife now, was like, okay, it's time for you to come out of the darkness and for you to brand yourself and do what you've been doing for everyone else. So I flipped the coin and I rebranded my name because, again, my original name is Chanel and everyone always jacked up Chanel. It's, it's a simple name, but I was like, okay, how do I rebrand that and keep it simple? Then I went back to like my graffiti name from Brooklyn, which was Sags, S-A-G-S. And I was just like, you know what? I'll just be S-A. Right. And it kind of goes to the nickname that I had in high school as well. And I was like, okay, so that's that's my new brand name. And now I'm going to start writing books. 
in addition to that, I was like, hey, what's another way for me to layer on top of like the book strategy, but integrating it with a community of individuals that may want to read my books or have written books. And that's when I said, okay, you know what? Podcasting. Cause again, I was behind the scenes. I didn't want to be in front of the camera. Hence why I didn't go to YouTube at first. So I was like, okay, let me get comfortable being the guy with the voice. And so over a period of time, like now videos and everything else, I kind of grew into where I'm at right now, but essentially it took a period of time for me to adapt and become essay hundred percent. So what about people who, so you had a life altering event that happened to you and it made you kind of like take pause and say, all right, and you know, you can speak to this more than I could, but maybe you said something along the lines of like, all right, life's too short to not do what I want. And I need to go on this path. That's, that's calling me. I think a lot of people feel like in order to do the things that they need to do, they almost need to have this almost like epiphany or to have this insane event, a life altering event happen to them, but that's not necessarily true. So what advice would you give to people that are listening to you and like, wow, he, you know, that life changing experience propelled him to make moves and they're just kind of in a rut. Like what advice would you give to somebody that just kind of feels like, Every day is like Groundhog Day and nothing's really changing for them. They need to make that actual lasting change. Yeah, I mean, to, to ad lib on top of that question, that's a really solid question. It's kind of like I was always a guy making moves. Like anyone that has known me past high school, throughout college, I was always the thinker, always in a, my original company was was called Cerebral 360. And it was just kind of like always intellectual, intellectual, intellectual. But I think I got so intellectual and I got so ingrained on that brand of being cerebral that I lost out on the opportunities of how to really communicate to the masses. And that's when I had to stop and like, okay, what am I doing wrong? And then let me reinvent myself and let me talk about more so giving back than 100% strategy. And then I was like, okay, let me start working on, like I was working on the legacy for my kids before, but I was like, now like, like with all this legacy crap, they don't, they don't even know what to do with it. And that's like the problem with legacies. I was like, okay, let me start doing instructional, like, you know, SOPs live this is an sop to me right so when you leave this behind for the next generation they're hearing like how you took your marketing background and you inserted that into creating this handkerchief brand but you're still bringing in capital by doing like your passion by seeing your uncle in greece that's your mm -hmm. story that's original to you that nobody can make that up and then once i realized that i was sitting on a diamond like that i was like Dude, how the hell did I not realize this for the first 15 years of building that first brand? Why did I miss that one damn component? So once I realized it, then I was like, that's what I've been missing for the past 15 years. So now that I have it, now I'm scaling and growing and, and flooding it in and, and having opportunities to talk to people like you every single day. It's, it's, it's a blessing. Oof. Love that. Love that answer, man. And that was like, that, that's, that's the answer of a man with a lot of experience and someone that's done the work on themselves um that really as and obviously it's a work in progress but is yeah. continuing to figure himself out so that was that was deep man uh, I, I got one more question for you and my question is so you you have a lot of people on this podcast many of, of whom are high performers so what's one thing that you've seen that differentiates the people who are the high performers that actually set out to achieve certain goals and achieve them what are they doing differently than maybe some others who are not quite living up to um, their standards or, or or really their full potential? 
Uh, that is one word, belief, man. I, I've interviewed enough people to realize that even listening to hear you speak, you believe in you, you believe in your product. And no matter who steps on your shoes or steps between you and where you're going, you're not going to necessarily run them over, but you're going to walk through them and keep on going. And that belief system and knowing that whatever you're doing and creating is going to be successful, if it's not successful yet, that's the difference between the winners and the losers. Mm. Mm. That was amazing, bro. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for sharing it. Thank you for saying that. But also, um, even just hearing that, and I think anyone that's listening to this too, right? Belief equates to faith. And you can say that doesn't necessarily have to be religious, but I think faith is so important no matter what we do is to keep, you know, keep the faith, keep the faith. It is so important. We hear it over and over again. And sometimes it, it almost like we don't even process how important that is. And I think people oftentimes will complicate life uh it's very easy to do that but it's oftentimes comes down to the fundamental principles of what we've been taught when we were younger and it comes down to belief like you just said and or faith and and if you don't have faith and belief and hope you don't you don't have anything so um no i appreciate that answer man that was that was great Definitely. Well, I appreciate you taking some time out your busy schedule to be on the show today. I think you definitely gave a lot of insight. And and again, the hope is, is that, you know, somebody is listening to this and they're like, you know what, this this man is doing exactly what I want to do, or at least a fraction of what I want to do. What's holding you back from jumping into the seat and not becoming you, but becoming your own brand, becoming your own business and doing your own thing. Stop waiting. Do it now. Love that. I say thank you so much for having me on. I, I'm going to be real with you. This has made my day. Always, it's always good to chat with, with good people. You know what I mean, and that's what that's what life's all about is connecting with other good people. And uh, thank you for for using uh, this platform to spread your message and to uh, help people like myself get my message out there. It really means the world. And, and keep doing what you're doing, man. It's, it's you're doing an outstanding job. Well, I appreciate it, man. S.A. Grant, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762 762- 233 boss that's 762-233-2677 i would love to hear from you remember to become a boss in cage you have to release your inner beast sa grant signing off listeners of boss and cage are invited to download a free copy of our host sa grant's insightful ebook become an uncaged trailblazer Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.